the Five Tool Podcast. That's right, everyone. It's the Five Tool Podcast. Kicking it with you here on a wet and wild Wednesday in wacky Wisconsin. Other than one of our co-hosts who's on the other side of the country right now. We'll get to that. But first off, I'm the Butcher. I'm your host here at the Five Tool Podcast. Our other hosts are as follows. Black Josh, you good? I'm good. Seamus, you good? I'm always good. All right, Seamus, haven't heard from you in a while. You you missed the last two shows for various reasons, but that's A-OK. But first, let's get a feel for how everyone's holding up. Seamus, how are you holding up? Where are you at? I am in East Fishkill, New York. What, what's the problem with fish? Why do they not like fish there? I, I, I don't. Dude, it's New York. It, it's any number, any number of reasons. <laughs> How's the weather out there? We got nothing but water coming down from the skies here. 78 glorious sunshiny degrees. Spoken like a person who is truly inside of a box all day. I'm, I'm, yes. I, the last three weeks here in Wisconsin have been nothing but sunny, hot days, and I have been baking, and my brain is completely fried from being in the sun every day, <coughs> and there's not much left of it in terms of brain cells. And you gotta have one out of the ten, Butch. <laughs> you should see me. Like there's, there's some possible melanoma going on. I gotta see a specialist. Things are getting bad. Uh, Black Josh, how are you holding up? <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> You're all right. I was a little tired today. You're a little tired. I woke up, Black Josh, to start the show today. Like literally, he just woke up as we were getting underway. But good to have the three of us back here in one room. We are ten or nine days away from Brewers baseball. We are eight days away. From Major League Baseball seasons kicking off, and I can't wait. And I know we've talked about what everybody's plans are for opening day. Let's see if anything's changed. Seamus, are you going to be tuning in at least on a radio broadcast for opening day? It's getting closer to uh, being an answer of yes. I I did check out a couple of the uh, the simulated scrimmages or situational scrimmages or whatever that the that the crew have had, and except for except for the first one where they were both wearing the same uniforms, and I couldn't figure out who was who, and what was what the hell was going on because there was no sound. Um, they actually looked pretty good, and I'm I'm baseball is a baseball is a uh, a uh, a a a sport. Soul-gripping, a soul-gripping bitch. It is. It is, Seamus. Like, even, and, and this started for me last week as well, where, like, I was watching these scrimmages with no sound on, and, you know, just, I mean, at first it started off just watching Woody throw to Pena and just watching the sequence of, of professionals doing their thing, and it really, like, brought it to, to the forefront and made me really, like, more more and more excited, and now... With this blue and gold World Series, which we're going to get into in a little bit, we'll we'll dive deep into that. It's really looking like baseball, and it's seeing the guys in uniform and seeing them play and watching some of the new guys, which has been the most exciting part for me. Which, like I said, we'll get to. It's been really cool, and I'm and I'm glad you're getting more pumped. Black Josh, what are your thoughts? What are your plans for opening day? What's your excitement level coming for the season? I'm excited. I'm just. <laughs> 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 Sounds like it. Fuck off. I love you. That's Black Josh's role here on the show. Oh. He's like that grump. 
That guy. I'm not grumpy, man. I'm no, just... I know you're not grumpy because if you know if you know Black Jack, <coughs> he's pretty happy-go-lucky. But he just he does he does so with like a sense of lots of swear words and like work... he'll possibly pull, pull a gun on you at any given moment. I work third shift, so I'm tired. <laughs> I want to be asleep right now. I want. I just want to like paint a picture here and just tell a little thing. Oh god. So so me and me and Josh are in our thirties. We're in our we're in our thirties and. We find ourselves very, very often, and this reminds me just like my childhood, of trying to, like we do this often, where him and I are driving around looking for a park to hit baseballs. Him and I last night, we hung out a little bit, we, threw, threw, we had a catch, and then we wanted to go hit some balls at a park. And West Bend, Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin, there's nothing better than a, a summer day in Wisconsin, and yesterday was the perfect picture of it. It was about 80 degrees in the afternoon, nice little breeze perfect day everyone was out we stopped at like five or six different ballparks just trying to go somewhere to somewhere at least that had some dirt and some chalk lines and some rubber on a mound like that's all we were really looking for a place to play ball and every park that we went to was populated with people every park we went to there was people playing ball even some of the crappier parks the crappiest one we drove by had about 15 people playing a simulated game which one was that that was over by the job site yeah. yeah, that was like probably the worst park of all of them, like completely on level ground and just like not much there. But it was just beautiful to drive around. I mean, it sucked for us because we really wanted to just hit some balls and we didn't have a big time frame. But it was really cool to drive all over, you know, the city and see every park with people pl either playing real games, exhibition games, or just families out there playing ball. And it was a cool experience. Him and I ended up getting into the best field in town, though, however... Because someone left a door unlocked that led from the bathroom to the actual st stadium. It's Carl Cuss Field. And this is a nice, nice ballpark with... So nice with that the, we shouldn't have been there. We shouldn't have been there. <laughs> and we just went in and we were hitting balls and it, nobody stopped us. We thought for sure the police were going to come. We, we were going to hop the fence if we weren't able to get in. But that's the spirit of baseball that you were just talking about, Seamus. Like, it's, what did you call it? A cold bitch that grabs your soul? Yes. <laughs> it is. It's a, to, I mean, maybe Major League Baseball is a cold bitch that grabs your soul, but the game of baseball, in its essence, is a warm bitch that firmly caresses your soul. And oh, the game of baseball, in and of itself, the game, the idea, is a pearl, pure and untarnished. How elegantly put! I love that. No, you're right. It is. It, yeah, baseball. Pearl, and it's and it's and it's grown. Through years of hardship, adversity, and perseverance. Yeah, and it's been a symbol of all those things in our country's past, too. Like like segregation and, and bringing, you know, breaking the color barrier. And, and you know, the, the, the infamous World Series Yankees Mariners in 2001, you know. George Bush throwing the first pitch after the World Trade Centers. Like... There's so many iconic moments in baseball history. The boys going to fight in World War II and then the girls stepping up to play. Like, there's so many instances where baseball has, like, illustrated our colorful past as a nation. And, and it survived. And, jo and Josh and I saw it last night, jo down to families playing ball at a field. Like, it's still alive. So don't let the fucking media sit there and tell you that baseball's dying and that it's an old man's sport. Because the writers are getting old and shit because it's still alive and well at least here where we live and we're josh and i 30 some years old you know still would rather go hit some balls at a park than go to a bar so it's still alive somewhere came really close to damn when did we get poetic 
What's that? When did we get so fucking poetic? <laughs> Usually it doesn't happen to start <laughs> off the show either. Usually it's cuss words and then we say oops. and then <laughs> Yeah. But no, I just wanted to talk about that because it was just like a really cool experience. And, and, and it's just a thing, like, that's always been there, at least in my life. And now with having Josh, you know, as a close friend, like, he's almost always down and available to at least have a catch with me. And that's like something I always want to have in my life, you know. The ability to play ball. And we, and we want to get real games together. You're still starting to sound a little gay there, bro. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, whatever. Let's talk Dude, about... Dude, and I, I carry a ball in glove in my car at all times. What'd you say? I have a ball and three gloves in my vehicle at all times. Yeah, I have a bucket of ball and three gloves and a bat in my car at all times. I have two balls in my car at all times when I'm in it. What up, this? Yeah. Let's get on to the hot topics <clears throat> of the day. Blue and Gold World Series. Last night, the Brewers opened up a Craig Council is dubbing the Blue and Gold World Series. It's a seven-game <laughs> series that Council pretty much put together with the boys. Picked two team captains, Omar Narvaez and Avisel Garcia. They picked teams. Ryan Braun was first picked. It's a blue team. It's a gold team. Apparently, Craig Council named it after Notre Dame. But I thought one of them fucking guys was the one that came down with COVID. No, that's Luis Perdomo and... I mean, yeah, Luis Perdomo and um, shortstop Luis Arias. Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. All right. Um, Continue. But yeah, seven-game series. They're like six-inning games or so. Just simulated games. They're pumping in crowd noise. You got Rock, you got Sofia, you got B.A. Broadcasting game one of the seven game series kicked off last night with the gold team winning four to one in the sixth inning intra squad game. The gold teams, Jed Jerko and Beck Gamel, each jacked two run dingers to start off the game off of righty Jake Feria. Gamel seems to have changed up his batting stance. If you look at Ben Gamel's stance, he's more up right now and he's keeping his bat further away from his body. If you look at Ben Gamel, the way he, he's standing at the plate now, and you can see it in his replay of his dinger last night. He looks like Christian Yelich in the way he's standing in the box. So you can tell that Christian Yelich is rubbing, rubbing off on him being an incoming brewer on the team. Of course, if you're going to try to bat like anybody, you want to try to bat like Christian Yelich. Yelich stepped up to his first at bat last night to a sea of boos, much like what we would possibly expect from his first regular season at bat next week at Wrigley Field if there were going to be fans in <coughs> the stands. So the stadium was pumping in crowd noise, and you can hear it in the broadcast, and we'll probably hear it again tonight. They're pumping in crowd noise. And they thought it'd be funny and possibly helpful to Christian Yelich if they pumped in a bunch of booze when he came to the plate. That's kind of fun, kind of cool. Um, Yelich was also mic'd up last night uh, for, the, for the broadcast. And he asked when he came to the plate and he heard the booze, he said, what am I, a Wrigley? So it, it was kind of cool, kind of a fun moment. Opening day starter Brandon Woodruff started for the gold team. He pitched three scoreless innings before Justin Smoke, another incoming brewer, Hit a dinger to right. This was a line drive shot. If you watch the replay, it was it was magical. It, it's cool. One of the best parts of what I what I saw last night in this first intra squad game is we saw Jed Jerko and we saw Justin Smoke both hitting dingers. They're both brand new Brewers. Watching the Ben Gamble dinger right now. Ryan Braun was the first one picked. Yelich was the second one picked. But they swapped teams. They ended up there was like a. I read. I read an article that there was a trade. 
Oh, really? And brought in, brought in another player. Um, where Braun was picked by, um, initially he was picked by, who was he picked by? I can't remember. I actually don't remember which guy picked him. But, yeah, they brought in another player, were traded for Yelich and another player after the picking was done. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Because whoever whoever had picked him first, whoever had picked Braun first and realized that he had a whole bunch of right-handed heavy lineup, so he wanted some lefties, so he offered Braun and another player for Yelich and another. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know. I really if, wish I could fucking remember. And I don't know if they're going to change. I imagine, and I don't know if they just picked lineups or if they picked pitching too, because I'm sure the main thing is they want to get these pitchers' situations against certain batters. So they might be swapping stuff around between this, these seven games, and I'm sure there will be some swapping. And I'm not sure who's supposed to be towing the rubber today. But like I said, Brandon Woodruff, he pitched three scoreless innings before Justin Smoke hit the dinger. Locaine then got a hit. Pena walked. And Ryan Healy, another new brewer. He singled to load the bases. Woody then struck out Abisel Garcia to end the inning. Woody pitched 78 falls. They had him on an 80-pitch count. He gave up four hits, one run, and he pitched four in a third innings. Uh, 49 of those 78 pitches were strikes. Obviously, I mean, it'd be more if it was a real game. He's working on his stuff. He's still getting things underway. Um, Yelich struck out three times against Woodruff. He didn't get a hit. And then... I that sucks for Yelich. I'm not worried about Yelich, but to know that Woodruff is striking out Yelich makes me very happy and very excited for Brandon Woodruff because he's going to be our opening day starter and he's obviously... I think he's doing it on purpose. You think Yelich is striking out on purpose? He did tell Sophia Rock and BA that his timing is off at the plate right now and it's something that he needs to get figured out in the next nine days. But I don't think... <laughs> I don't... He's probably working on something too. Like the stars at this point... Yeah, he's working on building his team morale. Yeah, dude, what if he is? He, he does is. want to be a star, he said he that. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. Whether or not it's true, I'm not sure. But it's an interesting point on you um, to make that maybe, yeah, pump up Woodruff before opening day start. Pretty cool idea. What do you? Th- so what do you guys think about this Blue and Gold World Series? Is this exciting? Do you like... For me personally, the thing that I'm enjoying about it, like I said, is watching these new guys in action. Another personal thing that I'm loving about it is watching these uniforms in action because they're so fucking beautiful. The blues and the whites, just crisp, clean, awesome looking uniforms. Love watching it. And I'm loving watching the broadcast team have fun with this this experiment. And every a lot of teams are doing it, and it's really cool. It's kind of like a preseason, and hopefully it's not something they consider employing in the future. Hopefully we still have Arizona and Florida spring training because it's the coolest thing ever, and it makes the MLB a lot of money. But what do you guys think? So far about the Blue and Gold World Series that's been taking place. And hopefully we'll be watching it here very shortly as well while we're broadca- broadcasting this I haven't episode. watched a single minute of it, so... Well, you just watched Ben Gamble had a dinger. What do you think about Gamble? Is, he gonna get enough, is Council going to get enough at bats for him in this short season with a loaded outfield? Yes. <laughs> Seamus, what do you think of the Blue and Gold World Series? I love you, Jeff. Um... <laughs> the idea behind it sounds really cool. I haven't seen anything of it yet, but I, I fully intend. Uh, you can open it up on the MLB app and watch it that way as well. Do you have to have a subscription for the MLB app one? Probably not. I'm not sure. Probably, oh, well. probably not if there's if there's 
broadcasting it for free anyways. Yeah, well, as, we, yeah, as we're recording this, it's going to happen in about four minutes. We're going to try to pull it up here, but in the meantime, we're going to continue to oh, talk. It actually says four, 640. Oh, 640. Perfect. Then, it gives, <laughs> then we won't be too distracted when we get on to our next topics. So, a big theme of the show that we've been doing lately, is, and our most popular segment that's been drawing in a lot of listeners and getting a lot of feedback from our listeners, is... Seamus's top three. Now, typically, what, the way we've been framing this has been because Seamus is a truck driver and over-the-road truck driver, we, we wanted to benefit on his extensive knowledge and memories of roadside attractions across the country and different things that he's seen than most of us normal civilians who stay home, you know, 300 days, 350 days out of the year, um, don't get to see. But this time, I know Seamus is a freaking coffee addict. And I want to get his top three favorite cups of coffee in the world. His top three cups of coffee that he's had in his life. Seamus, your top three. Best segment we got. And go. Alright. My top three cups of coffee. Um, I am a big Dunkin' fan. So anytime I can get a hold of Dunkin', that's always going to be a good cup of coffee. Um, it's... I, I don't know, I just, whatever, however they, wherever they get the beans from, however they process it, that's just, it's a good flavor, it's not too bitter, it's not too bland, nice texture, and that is just absolutely fantastic. I, I have recently, what? I'm sorry, I just want to, I just want to butt in quick, two things, number one, Dunkin' Donuts coffee is great, number two, I want to make sure that people are fully understanding the cups of coffee you're drinking, what do you take in your coffee, are you going black, are you going cream, are you going sugar, I, I drink it black. Like a man. Okay, good. Carry on. I, I used to, thanks to Uncle Sam, I used to use sugar in my coffee because field coffee in the Army is very, very, very bitter. And I, I've needed coffee to function since I was in middle school. And you drink, you drink field coffee and it, it tastes like shit. So I used to, when I, from the time I was in the service until about two, three years ago, I would put sugar in my coffee. Um, but I, I had to, you know, getting older, I'm now 42 years old, had to do a little bit of a diet change, and I have taken sugar out, and I, now I just drink my coffee black. Yeah, good, like a man. So, All right, you're number two. Um. I have recently discovered Black Rifle Coffee Company. It is a veteran-owned business that they they get beans from all over the globe, uh, primarily, obviously, South America, which is where a lot of coffee comes from. But they have different flavors, different, you know, light roast, dark roast, medium roast. They offer a decaf, which I think is just absolutely laughable because decaf is just dirt water. But um, I, I, I've got my first bag back last November. I took, I went down when my son graduated from Fort Benning, and I picked up a bag at the indoor shooting range I was at, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I went online and I find out that they have a coffee club. And I pay, I don't know, 28 bucks a month, and I get two bags of coffee delivered to my door every month. Um, and 
together a really, really, really good cup of coffee. It doesn't matter which which blend you're drinking. It's absolutely phenomenal. And the fact that it's veteran-owned and they do a lot of work for veteran groups, I'm happier than hell to support them. All right. The number one best cup of coffee I have ever had. Here we go. It was, I, I mentioned that I, that I will always enjoy a cup of Dunkin', but this is a specific cup of Dunkin'. I got, uh, 11 years ago in Portland, Maine, I had gone in to get my coffee. I filled up my travel mug and I bought two bags of whole bean coffee. Just Dunkin' Original Blend, um, and the whole bean was Original Blend as well. And I went up and I, I paid for my, I, I put my, my items on the counter. They got me my coffee from the back, um, rang up the total. I paid for it, and right in front of me was a sign that says, if you do not receive a, if you do not receive your receipt, your purchase is free. So I got an extra large Dunkin' regular, and I've got two pound and a half bags of coffee beans. This bill is like $45. I pay, they, she gives me my card back, and I sit there and I look at her. The receipt prints out of the machine, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking down at the, um, at the at the receipt, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking down at the receipt, and she finally looks at me, and she says, can I help you? I said, and because and I, I was giving her every opportunity, looking up, looking down, giving her every opportunity for that light bulb to go on. And when she just says, yeah, I was like, uh, is your manager working? And he was walking right by her, and he said, is everything okay? I said, yeah, everything's fine. I just, um, I'd like my my purchase paid for because I I was not handed my receipt. And the girl scoffs and says, "Well, it's right there. Take your receipt if it's that important." I was like, "I've worked retail. I know better than to reach across the counter to grab my receipt." People lose their hands for that. And. She just made this big huff, and the manager apologized. He reimbursed me my full payment, and she got fired on the spot. What? Best damn coffee I have ever had in she my life. Oh. All right, so you extorted. Because she, ar- she argued with a customer. So you extorted $45 worth of coffee out of this coffee company, and you made a poor woman lose her job. And that made you. I didn't make her do. I didn't make the company or her do anything. (laughs) I took advantage of store policy and an employee that wasn't doing their job properly. I'm picturing you sitting there with your cup of coffee after that, and as she's walking out the door, you just yelling, "Don't let the door hit your ass on the way." No, I just made sure that as she walked past me, I was taking a nice, enjoyable drink out of my mug. <laughs> that is... I'm glad that story had a good climax, because I was like, where is this going? Because, <laughs> man, she got fired. Yeah, that was quite a climax. So, Seamus, 
His best cup of coffee caused the poor woman to lose her job. I hope she didn't have kids. What if she had kids and sick dogs? She was like 17 years old. It was a Saturday. <laughs> I don't know, 16 or 17. I don't know. what Teenagers, I, I don't know ages anymore. I can look at kids and I have no idea how fucking old they are. Pardon my language. Well, I'm glad there was good pay after that story. But yes, Seamus' top three cups of coffee. Two of them are Dunkin' Donuts. So you know what that means, folks. Dunkin' Donuts, you need to sponsor us. Everyone go buy Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Yes. Yes. Don't promote them till they sponsor us. God, you guys are dumb. <laughs> well, maybe they'll sponsor, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll give them a free one. Maybe Seamus gets some free coffee out of it. And we, we already get, did. We get the, that's right, no kidding. <laughs> Getting people fired and shit? Jesus. Calm down, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next, moving on. From coffee to Josh Hader. Fucking Karen. <laughs> From coffee to Josh Hader. Since 2017, Josh Hader leads all relievers in strikeout rate at 44.6%. His fastball rate in his career is a 78.8%. So that means he throws his fastball nearly 80% of the time. In 2019, he upped that all the way to 83%. So in 2019, he threw his fastball 83% of the time. The other 17% of the time, he's throwing that wicked slider. Hader increased his fastball usage last year, but it began to bite him as summer moved along. He surrendered 15 home runs in 75 and two-thirds innings. 14 of those were on his four-seam fastball, his famous four-seam fastball that made him the Josh Hader that we know and love today. But I think we all noticed it, and it, of course, came to a big fruition when he gave up the, the big dinner, dinger to Soto in the wildcard game that in, inherently led to the Trent Grisham bobble ball that tied the game that ended up having us lose the game. So, um, so Josh Hader, he, we all started to notice that might be Hader's weakness, that you can't be throwing the fastball 83% of the time. It's going to cause problems. But, however, last year he had a career-best strikeout rate at 47.8%. His walk rate was all the way down to 6.9%, and he finished 2019 with a 2.62 ERA and an, an opponent-on-base, I mean, I'm sorry, opponent batting average of 167. So, I mean, he was still the most dominant reliever in the National League, of course, because he won back-to-back -back National League Reliever of the Year awards. So when he's not throwing the heat, he's usually throwing a slider. Last year, against the slider, opponents had a 101 weighted on-base average. That is... Badass low numbers right there. He's now working on a third pitch being a changeup. So you would think a pitcher who's who's having career best years in strikeout rate, a pitcher who's having career best in walk rate, he's a back-to-back and -back a reliever of the year. He's going to get paid very, very soon. He's going to make a lot of money for doing this, be it in Milwaukee or somewhere else. But he's, but he's smart enough to realize that in, in today's baseball, you have to develop a changeup. Everybody has to develop a changeup. You have to have a wicked breaking pitch if you want to survive in this league. And thankfully, our best reliever is recognizing that. He says he had a lot of, that he had a decent changeup as a starting pitcher in the minors with Baltimore and Houston, but when he joined the Milwaukee bullpen in 2017, he blew past hitters at an alarming rate, and the pitch took, a back, took the back burner. Now Hader is looking for a three-peat as NL reliever of the year, and an off-speed pitch to throw hitters off might just seal the deal. What do you guys think? Do you think this is good, or do you think he'd be better off just sticking with what he's good at? I don't think. Oh, I think it's going to change it up. Yeah, I think. <laughs> nice pun, Seamus. <laughs> Says I think you should change it up. 
Stupid. It was a softball, and it was kind of weak, so I appreciate you catching it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, we should be thankful that our that our best reliever is going to be working on a different pitch. Obviously, if it's not working out, he still has the best four-seamer in the National League. And, I mean, nobody can see him when he's throwing it at you. And that, that, that slider coming in around the low 80s is always going to throw guys off. If you got a changeup coming in in the low to mid-80s, it's only going to make you better. And, I mean, even in, in a shortened season, like, he can mix it up even more. He might not even have to use it very much and still be insanely effective because Josh Hader is Josh Hader, and that's just who he is. Next, Jacob, right. De, Jacob DeGrom. Baseball fans everywhere grew uneasy yesterday after receiving the update on their phones that Jacob DeGrom left a Mets intra-squad game with a back injury after one inning. You guys remember hearing about this yesterday? No. I, yes. I said baseball fans everywhere were grieved, and really it was just me, I feel like. And, and Mets fans, all three of them. Well, we soon were relieved when we were hearing that it was just back tightness. That came out not much long after. He took an MRI today, and now we can be even more relieved because he went on, underwent the MRI and it didn't turn up anything concerning. The back-to-back NL Cy Young winner is greatly needed for the Mets since Noah Syndergaard will be out for the year after undergoing Tommy John surgery. The Mets rotation also includes Marcus Stroman and Rick Porcello. This is a fucking ridiculously good pitching rotation that's very much hampered without Noah Syndergaard. And you got the best pitcher in the National League in Jacob DeGrom. You don't want to lose this guy. You need him opening day. You need Because you need to come out... Hot in the 60-game season, and the Mets are in a division with the, you know, reigning World Series champions, the Phillies. It's a tough division that they have to navigate through. So, I think baseball fans everywhere want Jacob DeGrom to be successful and for him to pitch. Because baseball is better when you have your best players out there. And Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in the National League, I think. What do you guys? I'd agree with that. I think he does. Best pitcher in the National League. Yeah, I, I, him or Kershaw? Definitely Jacob DeGrom. It's not Kershaw. Not even close. Although Kershaw can't win in the postseason. That, yeah, Jacob DeGrom just needs to make the postseason to find out if he can win. That's what I was just going to say. Like, <laughs> Kershaw's the best pitcher of our generation. This this last generation. I mean, like the last decade. He is. Say, I, I, I'm, I'm in two generations here. You're like seven generations. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, since since Clayton Kershaw has been a pitcher, I'd say he's the best pitcher we've seen. But yeah, in recent years, even though he's still a top ten pitcher, he's he's not. I don't think he's the best pitcher in the National League by any means. I mean, I even think Walker Buehler might be better than Clayton Kershaw at this point for the Dodgers. Um, Ryu was excellent last year with with the Dodgers. Of course, now he's in the American League. Trying to think. I mean, in a in a top five of Dodger pitchers, I would have Kershaw ranked number five. What'd you say? I said in a top five of Dodger pitchers, I would have him ranked number five. In top five of all time, oh for sure. Clayton Kershaw's don't get me wrong, he is one of my favorite pitchers of all time, for sure. He's not Colfax, but he's one of my favorite pitchers of all time. He's not Colfax, he's not Drysdale, he's not Valenzuela, and he's not Hershiser. Yeah, two two of my top five pitchers of all time are Dodgers. He gave up a dinger to Brandon Woodruff, so he can't do it in the postseason. Well, he has done it once in the postseason. He did have one good game last year, but um, but yeah, we all know that he's really been horrible in the postseason. How do I fucking watch this stupid thing? Next, 
Checkbrewers.com. Next. Bitch, I'm on Brewers.com. The Judge. Aaron Judge, everyone, is back. All rise, everyone. Aaron Judge is back. Just earlier today, Aaron Judge hit a ba-ba-ba-bomb off of James Paxton in his first at-bat since injury. I know that I know Josh is floored about this. I'm floored about this because the Yankees are <coughs> picked to win the World Series this year. And this team is good. And as much as I'm not really a Yankees fan myself, I can't wait to see this. I want to see this team in full fruition. I want to see the baby bombers really come together and just to see what they can do with all the, the cylinders firing right. How do you feel about this, Josh? Aaron Judge bombing his first at bat. Fucking love it. Fucking love it. Seamus, how do you feel? Matter of fact, I'm going to watch it right now. Yeah, check Crickets. it out. Hold on, Seamus, one second. We're going to watch. On. There's a stupid ad. There's a stupid ad. <laughs> But it is it is a mammoth, and it's off James Paxton, who is a great pitcher. He is he is a very good pitcher. He's had some struggles since he's joined the Yankees, but definitely yeah, a good pitcher. Yes, you, you have volume on there. Yeah, stupid. Yeah, let's see uh, if Judge shows any effects of that stiff neck. You know, usually uh, when Judge hits one, it goes a long way. The pitchers are the ones getting. Oh, that sounded good. He knocks that one out to center field, and that one is gone <laughs> into Monument Park. Kenny, did you want to call that one? Uh, this one's gone. <laughs> there we go. That sounded really good <laughs> off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, he looks, he looks ready. He's ready. Yeah, they, they baby him. He was probably ready a month ago. That's courtesy of the Yes Network, that clip. So, Seamus, how do you feel about the judge hitting bombs? Yawn. Yawn. Seamus, we all know Seamus really isn't a fan of the Yankees, right? Like, Josh, I know you're, you're a pretty big Yankees fan. I'm... I, it's hard to it, for me. It's hard to you know shy away from greatness when it's right in front of me. With like be it the Patriots, the Packers, storied history of the past, or the Yankees' twenty-seven rings. But Seamus, we asked you to compile a certain sort of list, and I'll let you open up if you got your list ready. I'd love for you to tell the fans your list that you compiled about the Yankees. That's a little different than most people's lists about the Yankees. Can you share that with us now? I absolutely can. I. I had to do some research here, but it was asked of me to make a top five list of what I would view as the most embarrassing moments in New York Yankee history. I love it. I'm so excited for this. And I have that list for you right now. At number five... Listen up, Josh. What's that? I said listen up, Josh. He's got it. I'm, I'm making sure he's listening to you. I'm not... At number five, I have Don Zimmer, also known as the Gerbil. <laughs> Zimmer's unbelievable decision to go after Pedro Martinez during one of the one of many epic New York Yankee Boston Red Sox brawls. I can't believe this is number five Don- on your list. <laughs> This is, this is one of my favorite moments in baseball history altogether, but I'll let you paint the picture. Go ahead. Don Zimmer decided he was going to tear ass like a bull in a china <laughs> shop after Pedro Martinez. And all Pedro did was because Don Zimmer's waddling his big old fat ass with his head down, Pedro just takes his, non, his non-glove hand, he takes his throwing hand, puts it on the side of Zimmer's head and just drills him into 
to the turf. Yeah, he just like grabs his head and throws him down into the woods. The pitcher's mound, I think they were on. We're right on the grass in front of it, and he, yeah, he just literally throws him down. It, it takes no effort on a Pedro Martinez to throw Zimmer face first into the ground. And it, it resulted in Don Zimmer doing his very own post-game press conference with shaking hands and tears in his eyes, apologizing <laughs> to the organization and the fans for embarrassing the organization, and it was hilarious. <laughs> Yes, that is hilarious. It is one of my favorite baseball moments altogether. Like, I just remember the the visual of Pedro just effortlessly grabbing the head of Zimmer with basically one arm, and just it took it took nothing out of him, and it was just really hilarious to watch. And yeah, th- I'm glad that's on your list. I knew it would be, but number five, excellent choice. Number I now number four is the first of my top five. From the 2004 postseason. <laughs> oh no! Is this and at number do four? <laughs> is A Rod and his faggy gazelle trot swatting the ball out of Bronson Arroyo's hand on his way to first base? Yes, of course. Now, if for 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 baseball fans and Yankee fans and Red Sox fans especially, if you remember this series. That play caused A-Rod to get first base and Jeter to go from first all the way home. And it ended up, I I actually think Jeter ended up at second. Or uh, A-Rod ended up at second and Jeter scored. I think you're right, yeah. And the officials, and this was the year before mandatory replay. Yep, just before replay was insti- instituted, yep. But the officials got together and looked at all of the angles, and you saw it on the replays. There was no denying what happened. And the officials, they ended up, they dragged Jeter back to first, and when they pointed at A-Rod and called him out, and A-Rod throws his hands in the air, puts him on his helmet like, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. That I chuckled for hours. <laughs> yeah, that After was that. because because it was so clear and obvious what had happened, and then it took so long for everything to come together. And then when yeah, when they called A Rod out, it was such a funny moment to to just see him just be the the guy that we know as A Rod, not the guy that the media loves and just falls in, and adores right now. But the A-Rod, we remember the one who was kind of a little baby. Well, and see, the thing is, is that in the MLB rule book, the rule book calls what A-Rod did an unsportsmanlike act. Now, if you look at, first of all, his running form, and the way that he, he and I, I, I'm, I'm going to be very un but the way that he just femininely swatted that ball, that wasn't an unsportsman, that was an unmanly act. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's exactly it. So I'm, I'm with you. That is that is my number four. Great pick. All right. What's next? My, my number three 
occurred September 1st, 2004 at Yankee Stadium against those warriors of the Cuyahoga, the Cleveland Indians. Not only did Cleveland beat New York in New York, but they five hit the Yankees and beat them 22 to nothing. Yes, yes. Excellent pick. That wasn't just a loss. That was an annihilation. Yeah, that was a, like you want to rethink your strategy as a baseball team kind of pounding. Yeah, because that's not a big, that's a football score. Right. <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's a Ravens-Brown score. <laughs> and that ended up being, that is now in the books as the worst loss in Yankees franchise history. <clears throat> Excellent choice. This list is great. Keep going. My number two occurred September 22nd, 1966. Now this was a year that the, they did not have a winning season this year. The old Yankee Stadium held 65, the house that Ruth built, held 65,000 people. But the Yankees had such a bad year that year, you know, they went 70 and 89 that season. Their season was so bad on September 22nd, 1966, the paid attendance for that game was 413 people. Are you kidding me? In the Bronx? In the Bronx. What, what, what time of year was this? September 22nd, 1966. Okay, so the Yankees were out of it, but still, even a New York Yankees game, like you said, in the 60s, when you still got studs on that team, like the in the house that Ruth built, in the Bronx, and, and you know... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like, Absolutely. A paid, a paid attendance of 413. Holy cow. Seamus has graduated high school. <laughs> I mean, shit, all 413 people could have sat in the front row and there was, I mean, talk about being able to social distance. Yeah, the rest maybe were at Seamus's graduation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just before you continue, I just want to say we do have the, the, um, the live stream up and of the, the blue and gold. They're in the bottom of the first inning, I believe. Lorenzo Kane's up. Yelich struck out again just before Kane batted. So, on with the list, Seamus. What's next? Number one. Number one. Oh, my God. So, just to recap, number five was the... Number five is the Pedro Zimmer brawl. Pedro Zimmer brawl. Number four was A-Rod? A-Rod Arroyo. Okay. Number three? Number three was 22 to nothing. Yep. At home against Cleveland. And number two was number, the Pedro... Number two was 430. Paid attendance at Yankee Stadium at the House of Ruth built and number one on Seamus's list of the top five most embarrassing Yankees moments in history. I love this list. What's number one, Seamus? The 2004 American League Championship Series. Of course. Up three nothing after having brutalized my beloved Red Sox 19 to eight. And as it was pointed out to me during that time, is that if nineteen that score nineteen to eight, if you would take if you would take the high 
Survivor World Series. Yep. I had so many people bringing, pointing out all these bad omens. You guys don't stand a chance. This is history coming back to haunt you, blah, 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 blah. Well, you had David Ortiz in extra innings two nights in a row. You had the steal by Dave Roberts after the walk to Kevin Millar. You have Johnny Damon going nuts in Game 7. You have Schilling and his bloody sock. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 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 can, I could go on for hours about this, but the, the absolute joy was at 12.15 a.m. on October 25th, the game ended at the stadium, and the score was 10-3, to and the Red Sox had beaten the New York Yankees in Game 7 to take the AL pennant. Yep, and then they went on to make the World Series and win it in four games, right? Swept the World Series against St. Louis. The final out was Edgar Renteria on a, on a comebacker to Key Spoke. Edgar Renteria, ironically, cue the official death of the Curse of the Bambino because Renteria wore number three yep. for the Cardinals. Perfect, right? It couldn't, it couldn't happen any better. I, I'll, I'll remember that moment, you know, all those moments, actually. I mean, that's, you know, as much as we love to hate the Yankees, like, those top five moments are, like, some of my favorite moments personally, too, and not just Yankees embarrassment history, but some of my favorite moments in baseball history and baseball's colorful past. I mean, it just shows that even the Yankees' worst moments, they were a part of some of the coolest moments in history. And, yeah, just, I'm glad. That was an excellent list, and I'm glad I'm glad we got to listen to that. I should have put it earlier in the broadcast. Um but like I said, where we're at right now, we got. The, oh, thank you again, Seamus, for the list. Where we're at right now with the Blue Gold World Series, I think we're in the second inning now. So the line, the matchup here to start off was Brett Anderson, who's on the mound now, and who was on for the the Golden Nottingham. Oh no, Nottingham's batting, but who was pitching on the other end? I just said it before. Oh, Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns struck out Kane and Yelich back to back, and yeah, still no score here. Nottingham just hit a ball and it got by somebody for I don't know why, what reason that just happened. But that's bad radio when we're just calling this game and nobody can see. They're not playing for real. But why didn't anybody get that? Who is it second? Who's 14 now that Perez is gone? Like I said, bad radio. A um, couple more things I want to get to. Yasiel Puig is now an Atlanta Brave. He finally got a team who wants to pay him money. Um, the finances for the deal have not yet been disclosed. Uh, Yasiel Puig last year played in both Cincinnati and Cleveland. He was traded at around the All-Star break to um, Cincinnati. He finished with two, uh, batting 252, 302, and 475 slugging. 22 home runs on the season. Do you think that Yasiel Puig is going to have a resurgence, or do you think he's too stupid to find a way to be good at baseball? even though he's clearly a natural-born athlete and stronger than everybody, can easily hit bombs if he can put bat, a bat on the ball and connect. Uh, Josh, do you think Yasiel Puig is back? No. <laughs> Absolutely I, not. I don't, I don't think so. I think his ship has sailed. Okay, let's just remember, seven years with the Dodgers was a rising star. He's a postseason mastermind. Like, he's batted over 300 in the postseason. He's, if, if you get this guy in big situations, he always finds a way to turn out, even against the Brewers. 
So we, you don't think that Yasiel Puig, he had one year off last year. And actually, once he got to Cincinnati, he was striking out less. He was walking more. He was finding a way to not be this just home run hitter, to try to be an all-around kind of batter, a guy who gets on base more. Who just hit that? Is that Narvaez? Yeah. Narvaez just hit a fucking... That just rocket off of Brett Anderson. Yeah, so that was a bomb. Yeah, that was enough to stop our show. <laughs> I mean, that just... <laughs> Narvaez, lefty, hitting lefty, just all power behind it. He put his back into that one. Yeah, out to center. No doubter. What were we talking about? Yasiel Puig. I think Yasiel Puig's going to be fine. I think that they have to put him in a DH role for this short season. Try to get him back in the outfield because he's clearly valuable in the outfield. He's got a huge arm. He can cover quite a bit of ground. He's, a, like I said, a natural-born athlete. There's no reason this guy shouldn't be playing and starting for a team. So uh, good on the Braves, I think, for signing him. There was talks about him going to Baltimore. I think it's a better move to have him on a, a team that's in the spotlight. I think he likes the spotlight. And I think he's going to perform better on the spotlight. Maybe that's why Cleveland and Cincinnati didn't work out quite as well. Atlanta's a much bigger place. Ronnie Rodriguez following a ball off hard. Still kind of weird seeing no fans in the stands. One more thing I want to get to, and then we can riff. Mets ownership. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Of course, Aaron and J-Lo still in the running to try to buy the Mets. There's four groups right now trying to purchase the Mets. I believe Steve Cohen backed up, but still a couple other groups. But some, some famous sports stars have joined the fight with A-Rod and J-Lo to try to purchase the Mets. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but those names are... Brian Erlacher, Travis Kelsey, and NBA player Bradley Beal are joining A-Rod and J-Lo in trying to purchase the Mets. Brian Erlacher, former linebacker for the Bears, Travis Kelsey, star tight end for the Chiefs, Super Bowl champion. What do you guys think? Are they going to pull this off? And what do you guys think of these random names in Brian Erlacher and Travis Kelsey? Nobody cares about A-Rod or Kelsey. Or the other guy. A lot of people care about Travis Kelsey. He's the best tight end in football, and he's a Super Bowl champion with the best quarterback behind him. Okay, let me rephrase that. I don't care about any one of them. <laughs> what you should have said is what I don't... Who the fuck cares if they buy the Mets or not? Why didn't you just say I don't care about the Mets? I think it's going to be a 6 feet apart Because this was easier. <laughs> it should have been easier less syllables to say I don't care about the Mets. No, it wasn't. What the hell is David Freitas doing at first base? Anything can happen in the Blue and Gold World Series. <laughs> <laughs> Seamus, what do you think of Brian Erlacher? Oh, there's Arcia. What do you think of Brian Erlacher, Travis Kelsey, Bradley Beal, J-Lo, and A-Rod trying to buy the Mets? Here comes a bomb. Uh, okay. Do you see him pulling this it out? This is going to be another group. This is going to be another group of people buying a franchise. Who do you I mean, shit. I, 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 I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out what the, why is Brian Erlacher in this? And why does he have hair Every, now, but he didn't have I, hair I don't place. view him, I've never viewed him as a baseball guy. No, like, I think he's just, maybe he just has money and nothing to do with it. Arcia, you can't keep falling for those outside sliders. Get it together, buddy. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what Brian Erlacher has to do with any of this, other than maybe he just wants to be relevant. I don't know what any of this has to do with any of it. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> the Mets! I don't know, meet the Mets! Meet the Mets! 
I just I don't understand the significance of whether they fucking buy the Mets or not. Well, cause I want cause he just want to want to know. Oh God, RCA. Well, he connected on it. He's gonna get safe on an infield single, the classic Arcia infield single, off the end of the bat. It's, it don't matter how you get on base, bud. But I want him to start connecting and not swinging at bad pitches. That's an honest pitch you swing at. He's still doing the same thing from 2018. You know what? I'd like to see you up there. I bet you'd be swinging at every goddamn pitch that was thrown at you. Yeah, yeah. You could be coming right at your face, and you're going to swing at it. <laughs> so when it's all said and done, if A-Rod and J-Lo and all those goofs buy the Mets, who's going to end up being a better team owner in 20 years, Derek Jeter or A-Rod? Derek Jeter. What do you think, Seamus? Jeter. Jeter's Jeter. the better ball player. Jeter's the better owner. Huh? Jeter's the better person. He is a better person. Well, good. Although A-Rod does have J-Lo. A-Rod has J-Lo, but if you look at um, Jeter's track record, there was a point, the, the stat is he, he was once, has, had dated 10 of Maxim's top 50 hottest people, hottest women. There was a point where Derek Jeter had been with 10 of them. Derek Jeter has a track record with women that outshines J-Lo. Mm, I don't know. We'll have to do that on one of these shows. We'll make that a topic. Who's had the better track record? Because J-Lo's worth like... Oh. Was that smoke? Oh. He hit that really hard. Hi. I don't like Yelich over there. Why? I don't know. Let's talk about that. It doesn't seem right. It just doesn't feel right? You're not used to it? I also don't like that Thames is in there. Well, Kane, I mean, he's going to be more valuable in left, and he said he wants to get back to that gold gold glove status in the outfield, and he's not getting the work in right field. He's not being used. I am more upset that Thames is in there than Yelich being in the wrong field. If, if he's more comfortable over there, then fucking throw him over. If you could have Thames, Moustakis, or Grandal back, who would you pick? Thames. Seamus, if you could have Thames, Moustakis, or Grandal back, who would you pick? One more time, what? If you could have Eric Thames, Mike Moustakis, or Yasmani Grandal back, who would you pick? Grandal. Blame. I think I'd go Moose just because of our lack of depth at third base. And I know Seamus thinks that Brock Holt is going to win a gold glove and be an all-star over at third base. but Yeah, that's why he's over there right now. I thought Brad Cole was a third. No, it was some other guy. Isn't that him right there? I don't know, is it? I'm pretty sure that's him right there. All right, uh, this, this show's gotten off the rails. But it's been a fun one, and it was, it was really cool hearing Seamus' list of the Yankees moments. I think that was really cool. Everyone tune into the, group, the Blue and Gold World Series. We got baseball next week. We'll be back on Saturday talking a little more. We'll get to recap a lot of these games and some of the stuff that's happened, and then we'll have another top three list from Seamus for you. Black Josh. Hopefully will, I'll be awake on Saturday. Hopefully Black Josh will be awake, and he'll have his list of top three uh, um, inner-city gangs. In the United States or something. I don't know. We'll have awesome baseball content for you again this Saturday. Thanks for tuning in. Anybody have anything else to add before I shut her down for today? I don't think so. Black Josh misses Thames. I miss Eric Thames, too. I think he was just valuable enough. But we'll see. If Smoke is going to keep jacking stuff, I might be happy with Smoke. 60-game season coming up. We'll talk to you Saturday. Corbin Burns is throwing really good on the mound. That's a good thing to look forward to this season, too. Corbin Burns might be the real deal. 
we might see. Didn't he wear glasses last year? Yeah, he got he he got LASIK. He's attributing some of his recent success throwing to having LASIK. He should buy me LASIK. <laughs> All right, thank you. Don't wind in the plate. <laughs>